Hello, and welcome back to the While We're Waiting Hope After Child Loss podcast. I'm Jill Sullivan, your host and one of the co-founders of the While We're Waiting ministry. Thank you so much for coming back and joining me today for the second half of my conversation with Judy Hostetler. If you didn't get to catch last week's episode, you'll definitely want to go back and listen to hear the stories of her baby boy, Joshua, and her young adult daughter, Kaylee. Today, our conversation covers some very practical tips for bereaved parents, whether your loss happened a few days ago or 30 years ago. We'll pick up today's conversation right where we left off last week. So Kaylee's story, Kaylee's battle was very long. Um, You know, Hannah's was short in comparison. It was just a year long, but you guys walked that road with her for years. Yes. How did you keep your faith through the up and downs of that journey? Yeah, that is a great question. So for 13 years, our family lived like a fire department. Uh, When you have a cancer patient, you never know if they get a fever, you got to go to the hospital. If anything, their central line starts leaking or it could be a host of things. You always have a bag packed. So we knew that we had to learn to celebrate all the ordinary things. We got lots of ice cream cakes. We made time to just be present with each other. And as far as a faith journey goes, for the last three years of her life, she was not allowed to go to church. She couldn't. She was pretty well bedridden. And um, she was on IV pain narcotics and could not walk well. So we brought church to her. I generally was the one to have to stay with her because I would have to access her lines and push medications through. And so we watched a lot of every Sunday and we did sermons and then we would, I would bring her her Bible and her notebook and we fed her faith. Wednesday nights, she and her brother, Caleb, did a Bible study online. They did some Francis Chan, went through the Crazy Love series, which I have to say, while Kaylee was, I'm backtracking a second. At Malone, someone had introduced her to the book Crazy Love by Francis Chan, and she had read it and was just so overcome with how much more her personal relationship with Christ could be like. We had gone to a small conservative Grace Brethren Church for years. They were raised there, knew the Bible very well. They were in Awana, you know, memorizing oh. verses. Mm-hmm. But it was another level that God was bringing her to. And so with her offering money, when she was not able to attend, she was ordering crazy love books from CBD. And she had me carrying these like a pack mule to the hospital and she'd be in the wheelchair and I'd be carrying this bag of books and she would stop and talk to people and say, mom, give them a crazy love book. And she would say, this book transformed my faith and I'd like you to read it too. Let me know what you think about it. And we heard of people that actually gave their life to Christ because they wouldn't take a Bible, but they would take the crazy love book, which was just immersed in the word of God. And so it was a great testimony that she did. And in fact, today, someone that was touched by that every year at Christmas, they buy, I think, I want to say 50 to 100 crazy love books, they wrap them up and they hide them in Sam's Club. And it says to you from Kaylee. And that's been a real blessing that they do that. (laughs) What a cool idea. I love that. Yeah. So that was uh, a big way that we fed her her faith. When she then couldn't leave the hospital, um, the hospital gave 
gave me another room that adjoined hers and Luke and I, because he was little, we stayed there and Michael and my son Caleb would come up after work every day. So in the mornings we had our routine. We put praise music on, streamed from my laptop. I would get breakfast for everybody. We'd sit in by Kaylee's bedside and we would have devotions together. Sunday mornings at the hospital, it did not matter. We had church on the laptop and we would stream church and talk about it. And we had nurses that would specifically request us for Sunday mornings so they could do church too. So you just had to keep feeding it and feeding it because the enemy comes to kill, to steal and destroy. And he's going to use cancer to divide you. He's going to use cancer to pull you away from God. And it wasn't God that did the moving. He's there all the time. And he's using that to bring us, to refine us, to shape us. And so we knew that is our food. We have to be fed that every day, just like we're putting in all the physical food. We have to keep our spiritual food, feed ourselves every day. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well said. Thank you. Mm-hmm. You know, the loss of a child changes a parent profoundly at a mm-hmm. very deep level. And you've experienced the loss of two. So how do you feel like the home going of both Joshua and Kaylee have changed you? It's such an interesting place to be at because I so often feel like I don't belong in this place. Mm -hmm. My perspective on what living and raising a family looks like is completely countercultural. I know how short time is. I know how much time we waste as individuals being petty about things that have no significance. I know how many times as a parent we're on our phone or got to watch TV or got to take this and do that. And we miss our kids in the process Mm -hmm. and I don't want to miss it. I know I have got two waiting for me there and two left. And with every breath I have, I want to know that they're going to finish well too, because that is the only thing I can take to heaven with me. My phone is not going to be there with me at the end of life. (laughs) Nope. Exactly. It's not. And no matter how many zeros I have in my bank account, how great a shape I'm in, I like to work out how much, how great a shape I'm in. None of that has an effect on my eternal significance. And so it has changed my perspective to understand there is one God and he is faithful. He is true. And that he wants us, not just when things are going well, he wants us when they're going hard and to come to him as our daddy and to say, I'm with you. It's okay. And I'm using this, even though you can't see it, I'm using this for your good. And it's for something way bigger than you. And so I've learned that I'm not the center of the universe. And that's probably a really good thing. Exactly. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know, Jill, it's interesting as moms, we're fierce for our babies. I want my babies with me. But knowing what they've tasted now, I would never ask them to come back to this. But the heart is over for them. It's begun for us. And it continues to be so. It comes in waves. It comes in seasons. It comes in the most inopportune moments. You just dissolve into puddles over something that you don't even know what it was. And it's okay. It's okay. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's what I was going to ask you kind of along those lines, you know, this fall will be 30 years since Joshua went to heaven, which means he's about the same age as Hannah. Hannah would have turned 30 just this past October. And then in December, it'll be seven years, right? Since Kaylee went home. Yes. So if you could talk to a listener that 
is just at the very beginning of their grief journey. They lost their child last week or last month or even last year. What would you say to them? The first thing I'd say is I'm so terribly sorry for your loss. And I would say that I don't know what it's like to be you. I know what it's like to be on the same road as you're on, but I don't know what it's like to be you. And so be gentle with yourself. Tears are okay. Tears are love. You are without somebody right now that you love deeply and you're always going to love. You know, I think you and I have talked about this. My love for Kaylee and Joshua has not changed one ounce in all these years. That's right. It's just displaced for now because I don't exactly know on my side how to how that should look because it can't look the same way as it did before. And so it's trying to kind of stand in the gap for them now. But I think one of the things that really helped me and continues to help me is to not look at 30 years or seven years for me. But I like to say this little catchphrase just today. Just today, breathe in and out and seek God talk to God in a new and fresh way like you haven't before. Spend time really seeing the people that are around you and that are left behind and allow the grief to change you into a better version of yourself rather than deciding that you can't get through it. Because here's what I know, by yourself, you cannot get through it. (laughs) But with God, you can get through it. But it's a one day at a time process. You can't look so far down the road that you're missing steps in between because that's where you have to be is one little step at a time and just focus on that day and how you can just be gentle with yourself that day. Be aware of the people around you. Spend time thanking God. See one good thing in the day and then thank him when you come to the end of the day and get up and do it all over again the next day. Allow the healing to come on God's timetable. And there isn't, there is not a time frame here. It looks different for every person and it's okay. Yeah. I love that just today. Just, just remembering those two words can mean a whole lot. On yes. this journey Because we only have to do one day at a time. One we don't have to time. live a whole lifetime of grief. We don't have to look right. at that. We just have to live this one day. This one day, yes. And then the next day. (laughs) But we only have to think about one day at a time. And I think, you know, um, during the year that Hannah had cancer, I think we began to learn that concept then. Because when you have, when you're dealing with a child with cancer, you can't look into the future. It's too scary. (laughs) Right, right. And we learn to live one day at a time without without worrying about what what might tomorrow hold. Right. You know. Is she going to survive this? That kind of thing. You just can only live today. And I think that is the same way with grief. It is so true. It is. And to allow it to visit it. I say this often in our in our support group. And I also say it to myself and to other people I meet is visit your grief every day for a little bit. Just don't pay rent there. Um, you need to visit there. You need to face it. But I believe God shields us, especially for throughout those first couple of years, to let it come in little glimpses. Because I think if the full weight of it came at once, it's, it's overwhelming. It is so, so difficult, so overwhelming to begin with. But it's almost unbearable if the full weight of it came down on you. So you have to manage it in little pieces. 
but don't avoid it. Visit it. Make time to let your mind go there each day for a little while. Just don't pay rent there. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. That's wonderful, wonderful advice. So one of the hardest questions for parents to answer after the loss of a child is when somebody that you're meeting for the first time, maybe, says to you, oh, well, Judy, how many kids do you have? Now, how do you answer that question knowing that you have two kids in Mm -hmm. heaven? So I answer, God has blessed us with four. Two are in heaven with Christ and two are here with us. And I'm grateful for them all. Yeah. And then what happens when you say that? (laughs) Usually they don't exactly know what to say. Or then they'll say, I'm sorry, or something. And and I say, you know, I, I have to say it because I almost feel like I'm if I don't say it, I'm discounting their life and they're my children. We're just separated for a little while. And so for us, that has been the thing that has worked. And I guess I would rather make my, whoever the acquaintances or listener, a little uncomfortable for a minute and maybe not sure what to say than to not acknowledge my children. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I know Kaylee died right before Christmas and you, referred a little bit to what that person does that puts the books around Sam's and that kind of thing. So that's, that's a great idea. Um, But what have your family done? How have you all dealt with those difficult days, the the holidays, Christmas time, birthdays, heaven days, those kinds of things? What ways have you found to honor Kaylee and Joshua's lives on those difficult days? Yeah. Another really good question. And one that, doesn't have one exact answer. So the first year, right after Kaylee passed away, of course, Christmas came. And, and I I guess I should qualify 30 years ago, almost 30 years ago, when Joshua passed away, it was right before Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. So again, two massive holidays where family gathers, I was probably a shell, I would imagine. I had never come home from Akron Children's Hospital without Kaylee in 13 years. Coming home without her was brutal. It was so hard. And so when we met for the holidays, Michael and I had decided we would have like a code signal when I just needed bailout because something we learned and we learned and we're still learning is that we grieve differently and that's not bad. Um, We all had a unique relationship with Kaylee all four of us. And so our grief is going to look different and we have to respect that. I may cry and be a wreck and just need some time to myself and they're not crying and that's okay. But then we could be at the library and my husband starts crying and I'm kind of look at him and say, okay, so it is, it's just how it is. It's different for everybody and to be sensitive to that. So that first Christmas, Michael was at a much better, even though so it was so fresh, just at a place where he could handle it. And I was at a place where I felt like the hole was, it was like this giant pothole in our family and it was sharp and jagged. And I felt like I was getting swallowed up and I had to get out of there. And then on, you know, birthdays and things like that, Kaylee had told us kind of how she wanted this to go. Uh, She said, you know, I love my birthday and I love everyone else's birthday. So celebrate. And so We've done everything from going to um, Sanibel Island, where she took her wish trip. We try to go down there in honor of her on her birthday in February and just do all the things she would love. So one year, um, it took us five years 
to be able to include other people in that because it was such a personal event for us. And it wasn't something, I guess, we felt like we could just invite other people into that sadness with us there. That was just sort of a very private thing. And that was okay. So for her, her, um, it would have been five years after she'd passed. We invited our immediate family and friends to come over and of course, ice cream cake and stories. And it was, it was a wonderful evening, but that's kind of what we've chosen to do each year. We do something a little different and we talk to everyone in the house, what feels right for you or what would you like to do? Because we don't want it just to be what I want or what Michael and I want or what he wants. We've got brothers to think about and we need to include them in the grief process. And so we kind of come up with something a little unique and different each time. But I will say, Jill, overall, the overarching theme for us has been doing things differently. Keeping the same traditions did not feel like something we could continue to walk through with her being gone. It was too painful for everyone. So we keep a little bit of the tradition and we've made some new ones and we somehow try to bring her along, her memory along into that new place. And that has helped us navigate that better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that worked well for us too. We created new traditions, Um, kept some of the old, like you said, but, and it sounds similar kind of, you know, we still had one daughter at home. You know, mm-hmm. Bethany was 13 when Hannah went to heaven and we kind of let her take the lead and, and let her tell us what, what she wanted to do That's for so those good. holidays and birthdays and things like that, because it was for her, not so sure. much for us. And, um, you know, I hear you saying that you included your boys and yes. Yeah. So, so good. So important. They're the forgotten mourners. Yes. Uh, they're, they're hurting. And not only have they lost their sibling, but to some large degree, they've lost their parents for a while. Yes. And so we have to include them and think about them and always keep our, our thumb on the pulse of our home, what's going on and how they feel mm. and that it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to say it. We have to keep our thumb on the pulse of what's going on in our home for sure. Yes. With, yes. with all of the members of our family. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. So what have you learned about God through your experience with Joshua and Kaylee? That's a big question. It is a big question. (laughs) (laughs) But I will say this. One word overarches everything, and that is the word sovereign. I have truly learned to embrace the sovereignty of God. I have learned that my people don't belong to me. They belong to him. and. A lot of people want to ask the question, why? Why did this happen? Or, you know, how can a loving God allow this to happen to me? And I guess our perspective on that was, why not me? Life has no guarantees. We all are born and we're all going to die. And God has those days numbered. He knows when they are. And so living in that dash of those days, you know, on on Kaylee's tombstone, it says, you know, 94 to 2015. Mm-hmm. And there's a dash between those and that dash represents the 21 years. And so we have to live our dash in a way that is honoring God and showing that we really do believe what we say we believe because it's in the measure of the storm. I think when you go through the storms that the reality of what's inside of you really shows. You can say you're a Christian and then as soon as a storm hits you, you act in a way that doesn't line up with that statement. 
And so it doesn't mean you have to like it <laughs> and that you're happy that it happened. That's not what joy is. Exactly. But trusting in the sovereignty of God, I really know that I have to hold everything I have, whether it's my people, my home, our finances, my own life, my health with open hands, because this really isn't the full story. This isn't what we're created for. And so I have learned that tremendous lesson by walking through the hardest of hearts, that God is really sovereign over everything. And I'm so thankful that I know him and have a personal relationship with him. Absolutely. To me, the sovereignty of God is a great comfort. Yes. To know that what happened with Hannah was not just a some kind of cosmic accident that God had no control over or no knowledge of. To know that he had planned, he had already, he knew the number of days that she was going to live. Right. And that, um, you know, she was never out of his hands. And that was a great comfort to me. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. So you and Michael facilitate our While We're Waiting support group there in your hometown of Orville, Ohio. If someone were to come to one of their meetings, what would they experience there? Yes, uh, we'd love to have them. So we just recently um, began meeting at a, a different location. We'd been meeting at our house and with the pandemic, we needed a bigger space. And so we're meeting at a restaurant and um, we have a private meeting room. It's very nice. And we meet the first Thursday evening of the month at 6.30. And it's a small group. We're usually around a dozen people, maybe 15, who've all lost children. And we, you know, welcome everyone, begin in prayer, that we share devotional, um, a lot of which you've written, Jill, which are just wonderful. We did the puzzle piece one last month, which was Mm -hmm. very well received and encouraged so many people. Then we take time and we discuss it. We encourage each other. We pray, and it's just been a great time of connecting and encouraging each other to help walk this journey, that you're not alone, that there are people on it too that understand the hurt, understand the pain, and we want to be there to encourage each other like no one else really can if you haven't gone through it. Yeah. There's just something so special about when bereaved parents get together. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And that's really what the whole While We're Waiting ministry strives to do is, uh, bring people together that have that common type of loss and remind each other of the hope we have in Jesus and how important that personal relationship with him is and that that's the only way we can walk through this. And it helps so much to have somebody that shares our faith that can walk through it with us. And um, I'm glad you guys have that support group there that can provide that kind of support. And I'll put some information about your group in the show notes as well. So if anybody's listening, that's in your area, yes, they can find you and uh, look you up because I know they would be blessed to be a part of your group. Oh, thank you. We're blessed. I think so many times Michael and I say we get the most out of it yes. <laughs> by facilitating it. Yes. That's what we say that every time we have a retreat, you know, Um, We get more out of it than anybody else. We are so blessed by what God allows us to do through the while we're waiting ministry. So, but I, you know, I also feel like there's a lot of healing that comes through serving and all of us can serve in some way. And so, you know, I, I think reaching out to other bereaved parents, sending, sending somebody a, a note or a card or a text or something like that, that helps us heal. So definitely. Yeah. 
Well, is there anything else you'd like to share before we wrap up? Just that I just thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to share about my kids. Uh, I never get tired of that. And again, if anybody wants to see Kaylee's goodbye video, if that would be an encouragement to them, I'm sure that it would. You can go to www.finishwell.weebly.com and just click the videos tab and you can click, there's a blog there. You can read some of the blog posts and just continue just taking that just today, one day at a time towards healing and allow God to do the work that only he can do. Amen. Well said. Just today. I'm going to remember that. That's probably going to go on the chalkboard at one of our future retreats just today because that's such great advice. Um, Well, thank you so much for coming on and for sharing the stories of Kaylee and Joshua um, and just God's faithfulness through your journey over these last 30 years. It's just hard to imagine, isn't it? It's been a blessing for me. Like I said, I have not gotten to hear your story directly from you before. So it's been a real blessing to me personally to get to visit with you today and and hear about your kids. Thank you so much for having me, Jill. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the While We're Waiting, Hope After Child Loss podcast. If this podcast has been a blessing to you, please take just a moment to leave a rating or a review, and please feel free to share it with someone you know who might be helped by it. We're so grateful for all of you who come back and listen every week, and those of you who may be listening for the very first time. I hope God has used it to encourage you today and to help you live well while you're waiting.